Well, this sermon is kind of building on from James's sermon two weeks ago about action. Anyone remember that? I should have tested you out. I should have gone, oh, what was the sermon about? Action. <laughs> and from Glennis's message last week, which was about like what to do when it's tough to continue. That sort of thing. Well, my sermon tonight kind of comes before those two things. This is more about like the effectiveness of action and why, why it's a good thing. But I'm going to stop talk, telling you what it is now and just say it. First of all, dear God, I just pray that you'll give me the words to say. Calm my mind and help me to say exactly what you want to say tonight, Lord. I just pray that the words will be spot on and I pray that they will do what they're supposed to do. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Tiny steps have huge results. If I had to have a title, that would be it. So write it down if you're writing it down. Um, can we have the first picture up, please, John James? Here we go. In 1859, 24 rabbits were released in Australia. Within six years, the population grew to 2 million. Within 10 years of those 24 rabbits being released, 10 years, they could capture or trap 2 million rabbits every year and not notice a reduction in the population. Isn't that, doesn't that blow your mind? Now there's 200 million in Australia. 200 million rabbits. And that's down a long way from what it was at one point. Isn't that incredible? Go to the next picture. That was a picture from the Australian National Travel Association in the 60s. That was a bunch of rabbits around a, a, a dam in drought. Isn't that disgusting? God, makes you sick. <laughs> Picture three, please. Seedlings from little things, big things grow. So this sermon tonight is more about a principle that I've noticed is in nature. And it seems to be a thing, it's, it's like a, a motif almost, that you see it in multiple different places in nature and in the world and in how we work. It seems to be a principle of the world and of the universe and we can harness it to our advantage, yeah? So seedlings. When seedlings are tiny, who's raised seedlings? Oh, so many of you. It's beautiful. makes me happy. (laughs) When you raise seedlings from a tiny seed, the most finicky part of growing a plant ever in its life is raising it from a seed. That's why a lot of us just buy them from Bunnings, right? Because it's easier that way. They've done the hardest job and gotten it to that point. Even if you buy seedlings from Bunnings, you have to plant them in the ground. And that first week is vitally important. What happens in that first week will determine... It's like That's the hardest part. It's like a newborn baby. You've got to look after it. You've got to give it the right nutrients. You've got to water it. You've got to give it the right amount of sunshine. Not too much. And if it's dry, you've got to wet it like two or three times a day if it's really, really hot. It's a really finicky time. This is a little um, chili plant in my garden at the moment. And it's, been, it's about three weeks old now, so it's past its tough time. It doesn't look like much. It's only about this big. But I know that now underneath there are deep roots, and now it'll, it'll be fine. Little chili plant. Makes me happy. Um, yeah, the next picture, please. Ah, this is in one of the other parts of my garden. This is a Brazilian spinach here. And what's there in front of it? Someone already said. 
It's nut grass, that's it. Nut grass is infamous, isn't it? Because it gets these nuts under the ground and they just keep shooting up. Well, I tell you what, if you keep onto nut grass at that level, that's about as bad as it usually gets in my garden, then it's easy to deal with. I actually weeded this little patch here in about 30 seconds because there's a lot of mulch, they're stifled, they can't get deep roots, and it's easy, you just whack them out. 30 seconds, I haven't, I haven't um, done anything to that garden in at least six weeks. And it's easy because they're tiny, they're weak and pathetic. But if you let it grow, if I were to leave it for six months, then it would be almost impossible to eradicate. It would be hard work. It'd be a lot of elbow grease. Now, well, come on, what does that apply to in our lives, eh? Can't you see where that goes? Where does that go, Grant? <laughs> what was that? I can't hear you, Sam. Get rid of sin, yeah, and habits in your life, yeah? Build the good habits. Cut out the bad ones. I know, for instance, that I'm actually a really bad spender. If I go to Aldi, it's dangerous. If I walk down that middle aisle, I'll come home with stuff I didn't know I needed until I set my eyes on it. Oh, oh, I I avoid it like the plague. I usually send Nettie and I say, Nettie, can you get me some butter (laughs) and coffee? (laughs) I know people, I know men who have a propensity to look at raunchy things on the internet. So they make it virtually impossible slash extremely, extremely difficult to even have the chance and the ability to. So they actually don't have a problem with it. I know a woman who has a propensity. She says she has a propensity to gamble, but because she's never given herself the chance to, she doesn't have a problem with gambling. See that? Things don't have to become a problem if you don't let them, if you don't allow them to get there. People don't just have a loving, happy marriage one day and then the next day find themselves waking up in bed with someone else. That's not how it happens, yeah? Things start small. They start with a look, maybe an unresolved fight at home. So a bit of anger there, and then a bit of flirting. And these ha- things happen slowly. Um, there's a song called Slow Fade. Yeah, yeah, it's a slow fade. Black and white turns to grey. It's a great song. Pull out those weeds in your life before they take root and cause havoc. Shut it down when it's just a flittering thought. Next picture. Ah, this is what we should aim for in our lives. A healthy, happy garden. Can you see any grass in there? Up on the top right corner, there's a few bits sticking up. But there's parsley, there's turmeric and shallots and, and uh, garlic, chives. There's all kind of cool things in there and very few weeds. And let's that be like our lives, yeah? Good stuff in there. Now, this doesn't just hold true for like sins in your life as well. When you first move to a new town and make new friends... The people that you meet, it's finally important that they're, that they're the good sort of people, that the people you want to sow into your lives, the, people, the kind of people that you want to be like as well. When you first start a new job, the reputation you establish at the very start there, these tiny little changes you make at the start can have dramatic effects later on in your life. The habits and family culture you have when you first get married can set you up for long-term success, long-term success in your married life, long-term happiness. When the decisions you make when you first get freedom as a teenager, those are very important decisions you make. What are you going to do? What kind of car are you going to, are you going to get? A car? Are you going to get a job? Once again, what friends you make? These are really important decisions you make that have the ability to change the change the rest of your life. These baby steps are incredibly important. When you first come to Christ and you start to change your life to follow Him, 
and you start to make changes in your life for the better, those changes are incredibly important. And don't try to bite off too much. You've got to give yourself time like that seedling. Look after it. Look after it. Treasure each little leaf that comes up. Yes, I'm making baby steps, making progress. Give yourself a break and focus on doing a little better each time, just a little bit. Don't get ahead of yourself. Next picture, picture six. Ah, 50 bucks. 50 bucks doesn't buy, doesn't buy a great deal, does it? Like, it buys a decent amount. It buys about a carton of beer. Yeah? Well, I had to look it up, actually. <laughs> I looked it up on Dan Murphy's and far out. It's expensive. <laughs> it buys a decent big pack of the Rolly tobacco. You know the one that comes in the packets? It's the cheapest way. It buys a decent pack of that. It'll buy a coffee and a piece of cake maybe five days a week. Ten pizzas? Oh, they're so bad, though. No, you're better off buying three of the good ones. <laughs> It'll buy a big breakfast at a cafe for yourself and a mate, yeah? Something like that? Doesn't, it's not a huge deal. But if you get a job in your teens and you start saving 50 bucks a week from the word go, after one year you'll have $2,600. It's a lot of money, right? That's enough for a holiday. Now, if you keep it and keep doing that for another 10 years... You would, by the age of 30, have $30,000. That's a house deposit in Maryborough. Maryborough is a good place to buy, by the way. You should do it if you can. If you put it somewhere where it'll earn interest, it'll be more like $40,000. It's 50 bucks a week. will turn into $40,000. That can set you up with a house before you have children. Isn't that huge? Now, if you instead decide... Picture seven, James. If you instead decide to leave it there for 50 years at somewhere where it can earn 5% interest, which is a, that's like a bottom level investment, wouldn't you say? Not in today. This is over 50 years, averaged out over 50 years, yeah. You would have, can you see that amount there? $578,208. It's most of a million dollars for 50 bucks a week. From little things, big things grow. And if you notice, the regular deposits is 130 grand. The total interest is almost 450,000. Check it out. Isn't that amazing? Now, if you were instead to wait for 10 years before you started saving, can we do the next slide? Then, if you look at the blue down the bottom, you would actually only end up with 330,000 dollars. Just by waiting for 10 years. See that? What does that tell you about making changes in your life? Start today. No time is too soon. Now the flip side of this, and this is the, this is the agony of, of the whole money thing, is that if you find yourself behind by 50 bucks a week, it doesn't seem like a big problem at first. After one year, it's only two and a half grand, right? It's not too big a problem. It might not seem like a too big a deal, but your trajectory is where it's at. It's all about trajectory in life. Can we see the next pic? That's where you'd end up. Now, once again, this is only on a 5% interest. And as we know, credit is a lot more expensive, so it would actually be far worse than this. But you'd end up three quarters of a million dollars in debt after 50 years. That's only 50 bucks a week being behind by 50 bucks a week. Isn't that awful? And there are lots of companies out there eager to throw money at you to try and get you to borrow more. And trust me, they're not doing it for your benefit. They're not doing it because they want to help you out. 
Next picture. Ha. Albert Einstein said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. And I love how it's next to a laughing picture of Einstein. Seems a little, a little strange. And this doesn't just apply to money. I'm not just talking about money here. This applies to many spheres of your life. Matthew chapter 13, verse 12, Jesus said, Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. It's like a brutal law of nature, isn't it? Yeah. Back to pick 11. Now, it must be recognised that not everyone starts at zero. Right? Some of us have had wonderful, stable, loving families who've really set us up in life. With great opportunities and a healthy childhood. And it's like you've started at maybe 10 grand or 50 grand up, right? It's like you've started above zero. And there are others of us who started off with abuse and neglect in your family. Maybe you had a really rough childhood. It wasn't stable at all. And as a result, you started off below zero, perhaps even a long way below zero. And it might, as, as a result, you might have to fight even just to get back to zero. Remember, I'm not talking about money here. This is about life. You might have to fight just to get back to zero. And it might seem impossible and it might be unfair because it is. It is unfair. But the fight is even more important. The curve downwards from below zero is even more brutal. So I encourage you, take that fight seriously. Treat yourself as something important. This fight is worth taking on. And if not for you and your future, then for the future of your children, for the future of your siblings who are looking up to you, for the future of your family, take this fight seriously, even if you started below zero, especially if you started below zero. And a warning for people who came from a good childhood, who might have started up higher, who might have come from a great background, and you might be starting off like as if you're 100 grand ahead of everybody else. We all know people who started like that and still ended up in the pits, right? We all know those people. So you still got to fight. It's still worth the fight. The fight is the same, and if you don't fight towards something good, you'll end up someplace bad, no matter your starting point. The tiny, the tiny changes at the beginning produce big results at the end. Walking in circles. When, when we're lost, you know the myth that when you're lost, you walk around in a circle? Has anyone heard that? You read it in a book or you've seen it in a movie or something, that when you set off into the great unknown with nothing to tell you where to go, you end up back where you started. I went and Googled it to see if it was true, and guess what? It's actually true. In 2009, they did, in, in particular, they did some studies on it, and can we show... Yeah, here we go. So in this particular study, they got a bunch of people in an open field, and they showed them a target... 30 metres away from them. And then they put a blindfold on them and they told them, walk to the target. 30 metres isn't that far, is it? It's not that far. That was where they went. Look at that. Look how far off they were. Did anyone reach it? You can't really even tell with all of the swirling lines everywhere. Isn't that amazing? Without that sense of direction, no one made it. Another study they did, they dropped people off in a forest 
where the red dots are and then told them, no, no blindfolds this time. Then they told them to walk, just start walking and try to walk in a straight line. And if you look down in the bottom right, see where the one kilometre is, is actually quite, quite a lot bigger. It took them hours. And then each person went off walking and they tracked them with GPS. And what do you notice about that? There's three blue lines as squiggling and swirling all over the place and one yellow line, which is pretty straight. Do you know what the difference is? All of the blue people were dropped off on a cloudy day. But the person with the red line was dropped out on a sunny day. Isn't that amazing? I got fascinated by that. We have a tendency to not go where we intend to go unless we have something to aim for. Are you aiming for something? Aeroplanes and helicopters stay up, not because they're just scooting along in the sky. They actually spend most of their energy just staying up off the ground. Because if they don't work hard to stay off the ground, they'll fall. Because gravity is pretty brutal. If you don't make changes to your life, we'll all end up going downhill. It takes no effort to fall. The effort is in staying up. If you're not headed anywhere, the fact is you're headed down. Now, Romans talks a lot about this battle to do the right thing and to do the God thing. Paul, in Romans in the New Testament, calls this kind of habitual force to do the wrong thing. He calls it the flesh. The idea being that it's like the sinful part of us that by default does the wrong thing. And we are like slaves to that, slaves to the flesh, slaves to the sin. And we must put to death that degenerate side of us and walk in the spirit. The God part of us. That's the part of us which longs to do the right thing. I'm going to read now a large section because I'm going to pretty much do what Yvonne did and read some large sections of the Bible because it puts it better than I could. Romans chapter 7, verses 14 to 24 in the message. All right. Are you ready? It's in the message because it just worded it so well. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me covertly rebels and just when I least expect it it takes charge I've tried everything and nothing helps I'm at the end of my rope is there no one who can do anything for me isn't that the real question the answer thank God is that Jesus Christ can and does 
He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 15. It can, it's the next section, but I'm going to read this section in the, from the New Living Translation. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the body we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Now, I want can we have back the picture 11 up, please? I want you to keep this in mind, that this is really, in a way, what Paul's talking about here. It's saying... Are you going to walk in this in the flesh or are you going to go God's way? Are you going to walk in the flesh or are you going to go God's way? Because it's a journey and it's a walk. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. And on to verses 31 to 34. Now what shall we say about wonderful things such as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, Wouldn't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn him? Us. No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life again, and he is sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand, pleading for us. In this life we are bound to things like consequences. Oh, that's the end of the the scripture, by the way. He's back to my words. In this life, we are bound to things like consequences and punishment and money. But in our spirit lives, the actual important part of our existence, Jesus comes alongside us and takes the weight of that curse of sin, that that weight of that gravity pushing us down. Through him, we have freedom. He has forgiven us. He has put us back at zero. 
Every time we stumble or struggle, when we come back to God and are prepared to try again, God forgives us, puts us back at zero and gives us a new start. What grace. What love. Thank you, God, for the fresh start that you give. Help us in our journey of life, Lord, as we make these faltering baby steps towards you. Give us a vision, Lord, of what our lives could be. Give us something to aim for. Inspire us with that picture, Lord. Let us be a shining, clear dream in our minds. And may we strive for something better in every part of our lives. May we rely on your grace to give us the strength to rise up as men and women of God found in your freedom and headed for greater things, dear God. Amen.